We have been going through um, a sermon series for the last three weeks called Work, Place of Prison or Destiny. And it's been an amazing, amazing series working on um, looking at the life of Joseph. And we've spoken about prince in the pit, prince in the process, and prince in... That's not right. Prince in the pit, in preparation, and in in the palace. And looking at Joseph's life as an example to us and a model to us of what it means to be children of God in the workplace, in whatever sphere of life that looks like, whether that's the creative space, the corporate space, the family space, what does it look like to be in that place? And Pastor Simon, when he was preaching this morning, said something so powerful. He said, character is, def- is made in the pit, challenged in the prison, and displayed in the palace. And that your character, if it's not formed in the pit, cannot be formed in the palace. And it will show what your true character is. And so tonight we decided to ask some experts to share their wisdom with us about their journey, what God has said to them, about the process that they've been in, and what they can share about their workspace. Can we give them a huge round of applause? Good evening, church, and good evening, uh, good-looking people in the church. (laughs) So before we start, if you could briefly introduce yourselves and maybe what you do. Hi, everybody. Um, Andrew, is this on? Can you hear me? Um, I have had a long career with one company, and then I had two years looking for the next thing, and now I started in January at MMI, which is Momentum, for those of you who don't know the name, um, working in a business transformation role. Hi, my name is Boris. I work as a brand manager, I'm passionate about business, small businesses, and in particular, also um, the East African continent. Awesome. Good evening. My name is Maria Smith, um, and I work for GE Healthcare. I'm sure you've heard the name GE. Uh, it's a huge conglomerate. So at the moment, my role is a women's health product and marketing manager for Africa. So I take care of um, the imaging business, and that it really involves uh, breast cancer and osteoporosis as disease, um, if you think of the disease burden of those two diseases. Hi, everyone. My name is Lewut Kangule. I head up um, the HR function for one of the banks, um, and I basically lead the transformation and the people agenda there. Awesome. We're going to jump right in, and I'm going to ask you, how do I live my purpose while being in a career that I don't like or enjoy? (laughs) And everyone went, hmm, because they're in that place. (laughs) And maybe we can start with Maria. And then maybe Andrew can give it a bash, and we'll see how it goes. So I think, to be honest, I think I've been quite fortunate in that um, as tough as it was to leave my children and go to the workplace, initially, God has been incredible and opened doors that I never dreamed of. So I can't say that I've not enjoyed my career. Uh, I think the, the only battle I had was as a mom, leaving your children at home and you're going off to the workplace. But I can't say that I didn't enjoy it. So I've seen incredible things happen. So I've been really blessed. It works out. (laughs) So I said just now that I had two years uh, gap. Some of that was fun. Some of that was not fun. Um, I didn't know how the movie was going to end. I, I spent last year looking for a job. I probably applied for about 10 jobs. 
So that was the uncomfortable time that I had to go through. But I think um, God's promise is that we live our purpose every day. So I think a mindset of I need to get to something to live my purpose it would be the wrong way around. And so there's so much that happened in my life and that I was receiving and growing, but also that I was able to contribute because I had the time and the capacity during that time that wasn't quite what I had planned. So I think that uh, God is, is so big that He gives us purpose in whatever situation we're in. Awesome. Boris, do you want to give it a go? Okay, my, my career has been short, <laughs> but I think there's been challenging moments where I think I found myself asking God, like, is this the space I'm supposed to be at? Because I think there's times where you find, where you rem- remember this huge stuff God says, and you're like, God, am I in this place right now? How come you speak about these big things, but right now it doesn't look like that? And I think the, what I've used or what I've relied on was in terms of, okay, God is the one who opens all the, the opportunities and the doors. And I think it's always just a reminding, reminding myself in terms of, okay, cool, God, I'm trusting you in terms of what you say, and you will open the doors when they're supposed to be happen. So I think it's always just reminding yourself in terms of, okay, what is God saying and what's God leading me towards? And also just trusting him in the process as well. So I think each step, it's always just that reflecting on that. Okay, God, where are we going next? Is this the right time? Am I in the right space? And I was like, okay, cool. I trust you. I trust you for the next one. I trust you right now, even though it doesn't look like it. I trust you even though it looks hard. But it's always just relying on God in the different steps and in the different spaces. Yeah. Sure. Is it possible to be fruitful? but unhappy where I work. So that's a very tough one because I think the choice depends on an individual. When you have a mission and you know what your purpose is, then you will find opportunities to be fruitful. And I often say that, you know, you know preparation is a gift of leadership for any individual. And wherever you are at that time and place, find something that you can be passionate about because that's going, to be the, the, that's going to be the thing that leads you out of that space, and actually you'll find where you're going. Yeah. You look like you want to add. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's, we, we often look at the fruit now. Mm. I want to see results now. Yeah. But sometimes the fruit of what you're in is what you're going to do later, because you're growing and you're learning new skills, and you, you're learning to go through something that you can then guide other people through. So, so fruit from what you're in doesn't mean fruit now. Yeah. It just means that there's kind of fruit, fruit coming from, from what you're in. Andrew, you said that you um, had left a company after a long career there. How do you know when to stay and when to go? In this case, I didn't decide. They decided for me. <laughs> Next question. So, so, so truthfully, in the last eight years that I was with that company, three times I got called into a meeting to be told, sorry, your job doesn't exist anymore. So, I mean, these are the ups and downs that we go through. Mm. And through each of those experiences, uh, I learned. I, I think there's an element of, of, of saying, well, God's in control and the right doors open at the right time. And it's, it's sometimes amazing to look back and see how it happened. But there's also a part that we need to play in our minds. We need to be thinking about um, which things that I do energize me, uh, which things really fit with my, with my skills and with the feedback people give me. 
So I do think there's a role to play for us in, in thinking about uh, what, where do I want to go? What, do I, what does it look like I'm, I'm good at? So I think it's, it's always that combination between a spiritual and an intellectual process. And I find what's really helpful is to, is to talk to other people. Sometimes somebody's sitting there and you're just talking through the options in front of you. The answer kind of comes through just because you're, you're, you're thinking through it when you're praying about it, when you're in worship. So it's, it's for me not sort of uh, just purely either God sort of sends a little letter from the sky or I think it through. It's, it's kind of all of that and suddenly you just feel this peace that says, yes, yeah. that's the right decision. That's Let me go for it. Maria, any thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, so often God will put us in places that are really uncomfortable. And often our human reaction is to say, I need to get out of here because this is too much for me. So I often had moments where I would go home and say, Wayne, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore because it was, the pressure was too much or because, you know. But I think in, as you are faithful and as you persevere... Yeah. And as you don't just say, I've had enough, I don't care what happens, I'm out of here. God, God will lead us. Yeah. And I think that peace that you talk about is what I've always relied on to know when, okay, it's, it's time. You start feeling yeah. like something is shifting and something, it no longer fits for me to be here. Yeah. And again, I think being led by peace. I think that's the only way that I would say, if you're led by peace, sure. then sure. you can move on. Absolutely can give them a better round of applause. Um, Libo, how have you preserved your dreams while navigating your process? Sure. Um, I guess I continuously reflect back to the dreams that God gave me, and I ensure that, you know, whatever I'm doing, I tap into that all the time. So, you know, if it's something that I'm challenged with, I go back and I say, God, what are you saying about this? I know this, is, this, this dream is taking a while to get to where it needs to get to. But I've found that, you know, if I continue to do the best that I want to do at work and I continue to stay on the mission with him and still commit to the small things that he said I needed to do to build to where I get to, then I start seeing the dreams. And so it's a journey and it's ongoing. And that's how I've preserved them. Boris? I think for me, the biggest thing is um, the circles that you keep outside of work as well. So in terms of if you're in the space of people who are pursuing their dreams and people who are taking steps in that, that also energizes you personally. So even if in the workplace, it might feel as if I'm stuck. But if I see a friend of mine jumping on stage and actually performing and doing what he's called to do, I know that God can do it for me. <laughs> Because seeing that also inspires me, like, actually, God can do it for me too. So it might not be now, it might not be in the next few years, but I know it's possible. And I think that also just keeps energizing, just being around other people who are in the purpose and who are pursuing what they're supposed to be doing. Awesome. And, Boris, how would you say you have protected your identity as you've walked through that process, specifically with comparisons to other people in the workplace, things like... Um, race, gender, pay level, all those types of things. How have you protected your identity? That's a lot. <laughs> um, it's hard. I think the workplace is quite a hard environment because you almost are always pit against someone else. Yeah. So it's always a competition because 
there's almost always just one level of promotion. Mm. So I think it's always hard to be trying not to compete with someone else and trying not to perform Correct. so someone else sees me yeah. as ready. I think that's always been the hardest thing for me is just having the right mindset in terms of, okay, cool, God, what I'm doing now, how do I keep doing it to a certain level where I know that I am ready and it's not about the other person because it's, it's not about me and what I can do to impress this person, but God and I are working on something. And for me, the workplace yeah. and where the space I'm in right now, that's not the ultimate because my ultimate dream is to be creating my own businesses and that time I won't have people in terms of to perform to because I would have to put the pace myself. So I need to cultivate that in my, me in terms of internally. Like how do I keep pushing when no one else is looking? How do I keep motivated when there is no promotion or there is nothing else? So it's always trying to get into the right mindset in terms of, okay, cool, God, how do we keep going? How do we keep growing? What else can I study? What else can I keep going right now? Even though in the space it seems it might not look like it's supposed to be, but how else can I grow in the space? Maria and then Andrew. Yeah, so in the corporate world, you can imagine there's, there's a lot of pressure for you to become someone who you're not. And um, I think when I first started working, it was, it was because I'd been home for six years with the boys. I got out there and I felt like a, an animal, you know, with the lights shining and my eyes were this big. And initially, you, you don't know, you, you, it's a little bit difficult to, to kind of find out how should I be acting. Or, but, you know, eventually, you just know who you are. And you do things differently because God's called you to do things differently. And as you do those things differently, I mean, the fruit is there, the reward is there, the recognition is there, the promotion comes. It's, it's incredible. But I think, I think it's finally that mindset of, I know who I am in Christ, and I will do things differently, especially, as I said, in a corporate world. So I think the, the bad news that I want to give you tonight is that as a, as a 45-year-old white male with a long experience and qualifications, I walked into a new job in January this year, and I went through all of those emotions of, these guys don't know me, are they going to see through me, am I going to make the right decisions, am I going to be credible? What should I do first? I don't know how things work around you. So that doesn't go away. And, and, and so don't think because you're 23 and you're starting out that it's only you. That is, is, is something that we all go through. And I think if we, if we land our identity in God wherever we are and in the journey that he has us on, that's a constant. And then you can see whatever situation you're in as an opportunity to learn and to grow. And if you make a mistake, then heck, then I've learned from that one. And I know that I shouldn't go down there again. So it's a really, it's a really important thing. And, and, and dealing with the reality of what I feel like on the inside and, and, and fitting into this new place and learning the skills of how to go through that is something that, that we, we all just get, keep on getting better at, I think. So now... These dreams, how do I know that my dream is from God? And it's not like this thing that I'm, I keep pushing at that I should be not doing anymore. How do I know that this dream actually is from God? Levo. <laughs> She's looking at me like, don't ask me that. <laughs> so I often find that the dreams that are from God are bigger than what I can uh, imagine. Because, you know... And because they're bigger than that, I have to trust that they are from God. 
And what I've experienced and seen in my life is that he does more bigger things than I can ever imagine for myself. Um, just from a workplace, um, opportunities, and just stepping into areas that I never would have thought I could step into. Um, and seeing you know, him tell you, you know, you're going to one day head up this big department. And I'm thinking, but how God with me? And you see that happening and you realize that, sure, you must trust those big dreams because if you walk with him and you're on a mission with him, he will make it happen. And so that's when I know they're from sure. him. Maria? Mm -hmm. So if you had to ask me a few years ago, would I be um, in this position, traveling across Africa, supporting the teams across Africa, I would have laughed at you, mm. honestly. But you know what? It's, it's amazing because... I do love people and I do love travel and God has given me a role where I'm meeting the most incredible people and I am traveling the world, literally. And so as you go, I, I think sometimes we do. We, do, we dream too small and I think we, we're scared to trust God for those big dreams. So for me, it hasn't been that a few years ago I dreamed that this is what I was going to do, but there was a seed in my heart and saying, God... I'm going to be faithful every day to do what you've called me to do, no matter how hard it seems and no matter how impossible sometimes it seems. But I think we should not be afraid to dream bigger, for sure. Gentlemen, what are some of the disciplines that your salvation has taught you that you've had to apply in your workplace? <laughs> Sure. It, it, it goes from the, from the basics that you read in, in business books of, of, of work disciplines, mm. all the boring stuff, time management, da da da. But I think to, to make sure that you're walking into the office every day with both your intellectual, natural antennas up and your spiritual antennas up mm. is really important. And to do that, you need to spend time with God. And you need to spend time with your spiritual brothers and sisters. So... Um, Jonathan and I, a couple of others here, are in a running club on a Saturday morning, and that's part of my workly discipline, because we, we stay fit, but we're also sharing our lives, we're getting wisdom, and that's part of, of, of what I know I need, and if I, if I skip that, then uh, I know that my, my, my battery isn't as full as it needs to be. Um, so I think it's, it's that, that thing of, of having your spiritual antennas up, going into a, a tough meeting, preparing for a tough meeting. Yes, with all of your skill that you've learned, but also just saying, God, so what's really going on there? That difficult guy, what does he actually want? And how, what is, what's the story behind the story? Yeah, I think that's an important one, especially, I think, navigating different people. I think it's, it's one thing in terms of think, the connect setting or the discipleship setting, because it teaches you to know yourself and also understand yourself, and then you're also able to understand other people and where they are. So sometimes when it's a tough meeting, you're able to understand someone else's personality and what maybe insecurity is driving that, and knowing when is the right place to actually speak to them in that and address that, and when it's not. And I think it's just been that, in terms of just being aware of different people and knowing that, okay, in different environments, certain people are coming with certain agendas, and it's up to me in terms of, okay, cool, how do I then not only just shy away, but then how also do I challenge, knowing when to challenge also. I think that's been a big one. And I think the biggest one is just learning how to walk with integrity. In terms of, I think that's the biggest thing, just in the workplace, whether you're faced with different clients who people who are trying to pitch accounts to you. 
It's like, how do I choose God in this space? When there's different people and different businesses which you're supposed to give an opportunity to, it's like, how do I then pray about this and how do I give access to which one God wants to say? And I think for me, it's always trying to be in that space, like, okay, if I'm one person in my team or in my workplace who represents God, how do I make sure that I give him that access and that platform through the decisions I make, through the meetings I'm at? How do I give him that spotlight? Like, how do I bring that into that space I'm in? Lebo, when success or promotion comes, how have you remained humble and true to yourself? So when promotion happens, I mean, the joy happens for that moment and the enormity of the responsibility, of the, res of the role that you're stepping into, it takes over. And there's no way that you cannot be humbled by the trust that God is giving you uh, with the span of control to make influence and change the direction of so many people. So I've often taken that, you know, I'm here, I've arrived, but it's not me, it's through God, and it's God who's empowered me, and it's God who I'm representing here. And that con constantly keeps me humble. And it, I never change because I'm still the same person that's driven by the same value system to make it different, to change, to serve others. And those principles remain whether or not I am, you know, in a senior position or not. Yeah. Maria? Um, yeah, when you feel like God has opened the door and it's not, you've just been faithful, but when, when God opens the door and promotes you, you can't be, um, you can't be proud because it's not you. I mean, it's, it's as you say, it's like you, so, I've been in awe of what God has done and I know it's God. So for me to take that recognition would be very foolish. Yeah. So just one more comment. I think we have to be really honest with ourselves about what our motivation is. So I've been financially incredibly blessed but I've had to face the fact that every time that I get a financial promotion, your expenses quickly adjust. And how you... I know that many of you would love to have that problem. So, how you feel and your contentment and your happiness is often remarkably unchanged. So, so for those of you who who sort of looking... To, to financial goals as solving all of the problems. It doesn't. It doesn't fill the gap. And I think it's an important lesson to go through. And, and my wife and I, very early on, made that thing, that there's no, there's no one extra Ferrari that's going to, suddenly now I'm happy. And it's, it's, if, if you define your purpose and your happiness and your goals in terms of impact, in terms of relationships, in terms of purpose then those are, those are the goals that God put in your heart. Yeah. And it means the promotion, yes, it goes with it because the promotion means that I have more influence, mm -hmm. more people's lives that I can impact. But I know that it's not the money that's going to make me happy. I look to God for that. Some of us just want one Ferrari. We don't need an extra Ferrari, just one. Just one. <laughs> one. That's you know, um, I've just got almost like a question to the different people here. Um, <laughs> the beautiful people right, on stage. Right. I think especially being a young person and being submitted to different leaders, um, especially you guys, where you guys find yourself leading people and leading different teams. How then do you guys, or what mindset does one have to have when being given that burden and that opportunity to lead different people's lives? Because I know from us, my side, 
Um, sometimes it's actually hard being in a space where, okay, maybe someone who's not a believer, and I'm like, okay, cool, when I become a leader, people will see it, because I can be able to bring God into that sp space. How do you guys then take that challenge, and how do you bring that into your guys' workplace? So I think for me, it's been a matter of um, understanding that somebody took a chance on me and recognized some potential in me and gave me those opportunities. And I think, again, you know, being in a corporate world, it's very easy for people to be climbing all over everybody else to get to the top. But I think, again, we come in with a different mindset. We come in with a mindset to say, okay, Lord, you've given me this responsibility. How can I encourage? How can I see a gem and, and encourage those people to, um, you know, to develop their own potential? So I think it's... Being a leader, it's not easy because you're being scrutinized, you're being criticized, you're being um, measured against by, you know, your, your leaders. But I think it's just, I know the kind of leader that has had a huge influence in my life and I know the kind of leader I don't want to be. So I take those principles and I try and apply them to the teams. And, but I think, you know, one thing that does not happen enough, it's encouragement, just encouraging people encouraging them to, to, you know, you're doing a great job and, you know, you're an amazing, you know, whatever. And I think we don't do, people don't do that enough. Um, so f maybe my kind of leadership is very different to what, uh, you know, is expected from the, from the corporate world, but I, I end up getting good results. So it's working. Um, so in the interest of time, if you gave us two sentences of what success is to you, as a closing remark, what would you say? And maybe one word of advice. Yeah. So what is success? Yeah. How do you define success? And then what one word of advice? I guess for me, success is leaving a place better than I found it. And, and one word of advice for any person is be excellent in what you do. Whether you are an intern, be the best intern that you can be because that catapults into something else. And as you grow, remember to be excellent in your service and excellent and everything else follows after that. I think for me, the measure of success is actually not not being um, measuring what's happening in the workplace with measuring how my family's doing. Sure. So how are my boys fed, you know, in the f so because I was working, how am I doing with them? And as I see them flourishing and being successful and being men of God, that gives me that reassurance that this has been successful. And in terms of... Um, in terms of advice, I agree, uh, you know, be faithful, be excellent, and work as unto the Lord. I think often when it's tough, and I now give my boys the same advice, when it gets tough, you do it as unto the Lord, and then, you know, you can't go wrong. Um, I define success as being able to transform people's lives. So even if it means giving someone a chance, an opportunity, whether it's a, someone with a business or someone in the workplace, giving them a platform to be able to expose who they are or them to be able to grow. I think that's how I define success. And advice, I think the biggest advice, I think, would be stop self-sabotaging. So in terms of the different steps or the different things that you're supposed to be doing to grow yourself now 
invest in that. I think whether studying that course you wanted to do, invest in yourself right now. Two things for success for me. Um, one is one that Boris stole, impacting people's lives. Um, to see people grow to more than they thought they could be. And, and playing some part in that is, is incredibly uh, rewarding. The other one, a little bit more mundane, is, is understand what makes your whole organization successful. And understand the part that you play towards that. So rather than just do the letter of what your boss says, make sure you understand how you're contributing to the whole organization being successful. Um, my advice, which really comes out of the tough two years that I've been through, is that I think sometimes we, we have a mindset of I need to get through this tough thing to get to the easy place. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I think we live a life of growth. And, and we die if we don't keep on growing. Yeah. Which means that once I'm through this challenge, then I need to be looking for the next hard thing and the next hard thing. Because that's how I grow. Um, and so rather than, than, than wish away the thing that you're in, the thing that you're struggling with, the, the process that you're in, um, make the most of it. Get sort of suck the most learning out of it and then look for the next thing because that's how we, how we keep on making progress in our lives. Sure. Thank you. So, I find it very interesting that everyone who defined success said nothing about money, said nothing about getting there quickly, said nothing about being liked, and said nothing about being the popular person. And I think for us young people, it's a good thing to learn that challenges are good for us and it's what grows us. And I think we've heard that process is important, that when I'm in a tough place, I need to work unto God. Because in that process, when I learn my identity, who I am, and who is making me to be, and how to carry that out. Uh, and so I think uh, you guys have been phenomenal. Thank you for sharing your lives with us. Can you give them a hand? And Pastor Siv is going to come up and wrap up our sermon series for us in the next five minutes. Pastor Bay, everybody. All right. Well, good evening again. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much to our, to our panel, uh, sharing with us your wisdom and also giving of your time. Really do appreciate it. Um, you know, as a, as, a, as a team, we, will, we always try and do the best to equip you in the place that you're at and would rather fail in an attempt of doing that than do things that never work. And I really think this series has been so helpful to all of us, added so much value, and the thoughts, the time, the prayers, the efforts that go in are to help you go from A to B in whatever sphere of life that you find yourself in. And I hope you feel empowered to visualize your B and empowered to get there, empowered to go there. So I want to wrap up last eight, ten minutes or so, sharing uh, not from Joseph, but I really believe this text summarizes all that we've spoken about, and it puts a challenge to all of us to act on the words that we received the last few weeks. So we're going to be at Proverbs chapter 30, 
verse 24 to 28. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 to 28. And when I want to close it. Solomon is not writing here, or rather Solomon is not speaking here. It is a guy by the name of Agar, and he says some powerful words. Um, you know this, I don't know if you know this feeling, but there are certain texts that you're like, one day I wish I could preach on it. This is one of those. Uh, I, not because I know it, but because the text is just intriguing. Uh, this whole chapter is just like, what are you saying? And so hopefully both you and I can find out today. Um, Here's what it says, Proverbs 30, verse 24 to 28. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands Yet it is in king's palaces. Father, thank you for your word. I pray this evening, these brief, brief moments we're going to share together, Lord God, that you would allow your grace to help us to hear your word and your grace to empower us to do your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Agar begins by tensioning two things. And he talks about how these creatures are small, but they are wise. And from the onset, what you need to realize is that what you need to go from A to B is not more of what you have. What you need to go from A to B is not dependent on size, quantity, how big you are, how much stature you have. What you need to go from A to B is wisdom. Wisdom is more important than power when wisdom is in the right hands. Power in the wrong hands leads to destruction. We've got history books that allow us to realize that over and over again, that power in and of itself doesn't guarantee good results. Power in and of itself doesn't guarantee transformation. What guarantees transformation is wisdom, but wisdom in the right hands. And he then begins to unpack over the next four verses what that wisdom, in terms of getting from A to B, ought to look like. And he uses uh, 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 creatures that we would overlook, we would oversee on a daily basis. And he begins by talking about the ant. How many of you have a few ants walking around your house? Don't put up your hand. Don't put up your hand. I still want to go to your place. Keep it real. All right, you don't, you don't have ants, okay? None of us have ants. And he says the ants are a people not strong, yet they provide they food in summer. Here is a wisdom that we can learn from ants. Ants know the seasons. Ants know the seasons. Most of us either live in our past or we live in our present or we live in the future. Either one of those options is wrong. The reality is you need to learn from your past so that you might know what you need to do today in order to get where you're going in the future. And if you are able to hold all those things in tension, you will know how to live in the season of your life. Being able to perceive where it is that God wants you to go. Being able to know the realities of your past and the resources and faith of the present is what you need to be able to move and progress in life. But when you camp on either one of those fields, when you camp on either one of those times, your view begins to be slanted. 
most of, most of us, if you live in a place of the past, if, if you are successful yesterday, you won't feel the need to work today. If you failed yesterday, you won't have the courage to move past your discouragement from yesterday. So you can't live in the past. Nor can you live in the present. Otherwise, you'll throw all your resources in the present, not realizing, like the ants, you need to save up because winter is coming. Winter's coming. And the greatest winter of all that is coming to all mankind is that wonderful day called Judgment Day. And it gives us an entire lifetime to prepare as to how we want to show up when that winter finally comes upon our souls. But in this context, I'm just talking about the winter that all of us deal with regularly. But I do hope that some of you who know that that winter of Judgment Day is coming, that you are preparing that you are getting the right food for that right moment. And so the ants, they store up. During summer, they're not chilling and waiting. You find them in your picnic. They don't care how big you are, how happy you are, how angry you are. You find them. <laughs> you might think an ant is not strong. Do you know that an ant can lift three times its weight? Don't, 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 don't allow yourself to, to be determined by your own set of circumstances. Looking at yourself, going, you know, I'm not strong enough. The ant is not concerned about how strong they are. They're concerned about the season that they're in. Uh, some time ago, there was a story of uh, a whole bunch of rats going into Alex. How many of you remember that story? In order to fix the situation, they decided to send owls into Alex so that the owls could eat the rats. Now, black people have a school that they go to at about the age of five. Now, some of you don't know this, but I'm going to explain to you. It's a school that every single black person has to go to, and they learn only two things in the school, and then they graduate. Two things that they learn. Don't mess with black cats, and don't mess with owls. Right. Now... Whoever decided that owls should be sent to Alex didn't realize that he was dealing with a whole bunch of people who had graduated from the School of Blackness. Black cats and owls, we don't do. And I would encourage you, white folks, please attend our school. We'll be, <laughs> we will be hosting a special victory weekend just for some white folks <laughs> to finally get on our level. Um, So the send the owls, I'm assuming it might have been a white person who had the, the solution. <laughs> Sends the owls, the owls come in. A little later they found that the owls are dead. <laughs> All right? What happened? Culture ate vision for breakfast. Here's what I want to tell you. You have an internal culture. When you know the season that you're in, nothing can shake the internal culture in your life. But when you don't know the season that you're in, when you're constantly trying to compare yourself, constantly trying to live outside the grace that God has placed in your life, there's an internal dynamic that takes place that is warped and is so confused and there's so much tension that when good things come, culture kills vision. 
that you don't know how to deal with a promise when it comes to you because the internal culture doesn't know how to receive grace. And so you want to work on your internal culture. You want to make sure that you know the season of your life. Not the season you want to be in your head, but the season you're right now in. I am begging you. I, 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 you have no idea now. I'm not even playing around, so please don't laugh, even though now it means you're going to laugh. I am begging you to not try and chase away your season of singleness. Because it's in understanding your season that the internal culture, when that moment comes, will be ready for it. You, I'm telling you, I've been married for a little bit now, about to be 10 years. And there's, there's certain things that I wish I would have waited on because I wouldn't have had to put my wife through the first two years of marriage that I did. I wouldn't have said the words that I said, wouldn't have said them the way that I said them. I would have done something different if I'd learned to wait if I'd learned to listen, if I'd learned to enjoy the benefits that come in being single. Some things, I just can't turn the hands of time and go back into them. But if you're in it and you've experienced the grace that comes from your season, man, the fruits will show. The seeds that are planted will, will be cultivated in fertile ground because the internal dynamic of your life is ready for the word. Wisdom is important to get from A to B. And we can learn the wisdom of the ants by knowing our season. Secondly, he says the rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Now, rock badgers look like little rabbits. Um, but when you put, they hide out in rocks. And so when you put them next to a rock, you almost can't see because they kind of camouflage with the rock. And when a wolf or an enemy tries to take them out, they would hide in the rock. And no matter how much the, they, they bark, no matter how much the enemy tries to get at them, they can't get past the rock. Wisdom number two, just like the rock badges, you need to know, you need to know your security. What is your security? When the wolves come and they will. When the wolves bark and they are barking, when they come to your life, what security do they find? Because ultimately, you will become as strong as the thing that shelters you. Please hear me. You will become as strong as the thing that shelters you. If what shelters you is money, if what shelters you is sex, if what shelters you is alcohol, you will become as strong as the thing that shelters you. Rock badgers have enough wisdom to know that they are so weak that they have to hide behind the rock. No matter how much a wolf can try and get them, they have to get through the rock. You, the Bible says, are hidden in Christ. He is the rock of salvation. When enemies come to you, you have a choice. Will you hide behind a rock or will you hide behind some paper? I am begging you to hide behind the rock. Sometimes you want to get out. Sometimes you think you have the strength to stand up against the wolf and tell the wolf where to go. Please do that from inside the rock. What the Bible tells you to do, uh, hide behind the rock and declare as much as you need to declare. I remember reading the Psalm, Psalm 23, verse 5 with my wife. And it's 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he, he, he carries on talking. He makes me lie down in still waters and all those wonderful things. And then in verse five, it talks about how, uh, then how God prepares a table for you before your enemies. And then it talks about how he anoints your head with oil and your cups run, run over. He anoints you in front of your enemies. Your cup runs over in front of your enemies. What you're trying to avoid is the exact same place that God is trying to get you to so that he can anoint you and that your cup might overflow. And so here you are in Psalm 23 and he says, I have prepared this table before you and my enemies. And here's the reality. In that moment, it has little to do with your enemies. It has everything to do with how God wants to demonstrate himself to you and your enemies. Your security is in him. It's in Christ. And so when you come to moments of tension, come to moments of warfare, come to moments of, of conflict, what do you hide behind? Because he promises that if you would hide in him, he declares your magi- his majesty in front of your enemies. A third little animal that we need to learn from is the locusts. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The third piece of wisdom that you need to have is that you need to know your strength. You need to know your strength. And in this text, it's talking about locusts. Now, uh, when you see a locust flying around or whatever, it's easy to crush by itself. But have you ever seen a wad or a horde of locusts? What? Listen. uh, Who didn't understand what I was saying? If you didn't understand what I was saying, you can't correct me. A swallow. I'm joking. Listen. There's a lot of them, okay? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so many of them that they darken the sky, right? You cannot stop so many of locusts. <laughs> so, here's what I'm saying to you. You need to know your strength. The, one, of, one of the saddest things that I get to experience on a regular basis is the fact that we don't know that God has placed us together so that we can all make a difference. And so we're still trying to figure out ways to do things apart from each other. Though he's placed us in a family, calling himself our father, yet we're still trying to break away from the pack, thinking that we have enough strength to do the greatness that he has called us to do. You don't have enough to do everything that he's called you to do. And the fact that you can walk away from the pack shows you that your dream is way too small. Those who stay in the pack understand they cannot get where they need to get without the team. It is why he he made us into a family. God could have saved each and every one of us and allowed us to live individual lives. But instead, he said, I'm going to save you, then I will make you my family. The reason why he he made us a family is that all along his viewpoint was that the church would function as one body. That when one arm does this, the other arm does that. When one eye does this, etc., etc., etc. Those who step away from the team most likely have small dreams. 
But you have big dreams when you realize that your strength comes from your team. By being with your team. By spending time with your team. By not running away from this gathering of the saints. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on, on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus hides a secret of advancing. And he hides it under unity. He says, if you, if you guys can be united. Uh, by the way, the, this text Again, I say to you, if two of you agree, that word agree is the same word for harmonizing. That in other words, if my heart begins to harmonize with Greg's heart on a particular issue, he will answer my prayer. Oh, me, thank you. <laughs> I, I, please get what I'm saying. If you're married, this is why it is such a challenge for you to pray with your spouse because the enemy will do everything he possibly can to allow your hearts to stop harmonizing because when they begin to harmonize and you pray, things have to happen. They don't have a choice. They have to happen. If you ever have a moment, spend some time with Uncle Wayne and Aunt Maria. Well, she doesn't want to call me, call her aunt because she's so young. Uh, uh, you have to spend time with them. And I learned from them that even in the midst of the dynamic that they had in their marriage earlier on, what pulled them through was the promise of God. And they fought for that unity between them. And you watch their life. It, it can only be justified by God's grace. When unity happens, things of grace happen. We pray and things happen that we never thought were possible. This is why we encourage people to come to prayer before the services. This is why we want to take time to pray together as a people. Find somebody. Don't run away. Grab someone and say, hey, I need you to harmonize. I'm going through something at work right now. I need you to harmonize. Let me tell you what you need to harmonize. Ah. Grab someone. I don't care, you just found them yesterday, you just saw them, you're a new visitor, find someone to harmonize with you at the back. Grab their hand and pray and watch what happens when our hearts begin to harmonize towards these promises. Uh, next week I'm in Stellenbosch uh, speaking on racism. Great, great place to be. All right. Let me tell you why that is going to go well. It's going to go well because of you. You have made me who I am. The stories, the life lived, the, this community built. The reason I'm stepping into next week confident is not because I think I know what I'm going to say. Because I haven't fully figured it out. Exactly. I will bring it out to that meeting. The reason... I am confident about going into that meeting is that I've lived with many of you long enough to know every pain, every hurt, every frustration, and to know that in every pain, every hurt, every frustration, the gospel still says yes. It still says yes to every promise. It still says yes. So the strength I'm going into next week is not what I know. It's this community that I've lived in that has shaped me, changed me, and allowed me to be who I am. Last point. <clears throat> the lizard you can take in your hands 
sort of time, yet it is in king's palaces. The lizard, all of us know lizards, not really the greatest of creatures. And the, way that, the reason why they can live in king's palaces is that you just can't take them out. They're able to climb up the wall. They're able to climb, you know, upside down. It's awesome. They're everywhere. They've got certain textures in their hands and feet that allow them to do it, that allow them to stick to or take hold of something, even what would be considered the most slippery of surfaces. So the, third le- the fourth level of wisdom that you need to have is this. Your hands, your life needs to stick to promises. If you're going to enter the king's palaces, your hands and your life need to stick to, they need to get stuck on his promises. Here's here's what it says about his promises. By which, talking about the power of God, by this power of God, he has granted to us uh, his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire to Peter 1 verse 4. In other words, I've always thought promises were for me. And that's true. But I realized that promises are not just for me, but they are also for God to recalibrate me. Bad company corrupts good character, but good promises transform your soul. That ultimately, when you spend enough time in good promises... That's why the Bible talks about your mind will be renewed. You spend enough time in good promises. There is a divine nature that you begin to enter into because the promise in and of itself recalibrates you. It changes you from the inside out. But you need to stick to it for it to work. You can't choose it when it suits you. You need to stick to it. Last story and then I close. Um, we had our world conference, every nation world conference. When, when was it? 2016. Now, there's a lady whose daughter comes to this service. I don't think the daughter's here, so I'm going to share the story. Don't send out this podcast. Um, <laughs> and so the, the daughter is like, oh, I love the evening service. And, I, man, I love the way Siv speaks. Amazing, right? And they would go to the conference, and it's like one of the sessions in the conference, Karam Kizer speaking. Karam Kizer is great, one of our campus missionaries out in Vitz. And I went down, I was right at the back, I went down to go greet her and say, hey man, well done, right? Couldn't find her, so they asked me to go to the VIP lounge. Now I'm in the VIP lounge, right? I don't know how I got in, I walked in. <laughs> I get in the VIP lounge, Pastor Sai is there, Kevin York is there, and we're trying to find Carol. Or at least I'm trying to find Carol. This lady's mom, the lady who comes to this service, her mom comes in. Strong lady. She just, you know, she comes in and comes directly to me in front of these other guys. And he says, yo, my daughter loves your preaching. But clearly she's never heard Carol. <laughs> now I want you to get something. Preachers can be one of the most insecure people you ever find. But I remember something that moment. I walked away thinking to myself, oh, for once, this was a thought. The thought that came to my mind was, oh, this could be a good illustration. Instead of, oh, I'm such a bad preacher. <laughs> Ten years ago, if someone would have said that to me, it would have crushed me. It would have completely affected me. But here's what I realized. No one can do what I do the way that I do it. I ha- 
is it? And no one can do what you do the way that you do it. But here's the thing that ultimately changed my life, right? If I hadn't stuck to promises, that moment would have altered where I thought I need to go. I would have decided, oh, maybe preaching is not for me. Let's let more other people, more people preach. Oh, no, because clearly I'm not good enough. I would have altered, but because I stuck to the promise, Lord, she said this, but this is what you said. I have to keep preaching. I have to keep doing what I'm doing. There are things that you have gone through, things that people have said to you, and everything in you wants to let go of the promise. Stay in the promise. Now, um, Jess, who's my boss most of the time, I probably will never preach again if I don't end right now. So let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this great series. Thank you for these great people. Lord, as we end tonight, I am praying, Lord, that you would uh, fill us with wisdom. You said in your word, if we would ask for wisdom, you will give it to us. And so, Lord, we come. Give us wisdom, we pray. Give us wisdom, we ask. Grant us grace in Jesus' mighty name as we navigate our lives, as we navigate our workplace. This we ask in your precious name. Amen.